Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As you watch a presidential transition, NPR News will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, new policies, and all the day's news. Listen every day. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the State Highway Patrol will be out this Christmas weekend to help make holiday driving safe for Mississippians. I think you're going to see uh, troopers running stationary uh, patrols, stationary radar. Uh, You're going to see moving patrols. And here again, to let the motoring public know that we're out there. Our mission is to provide public safety. Then, news from the front line of fighting HIV-AIDS in the state. And a legendary TV producer in our book club. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Many Mississippians are already on the road getting ahead of the traffic this holiday travel weekend. And the Mississippi Highway Patrol is hoping everyone will be as safe as possible out there. Highway Patrol officers will be visible on interstates and roadways across the state during the Christmas weekend. Captain Johnny Polis says state law enforcement will be targeting Highway 49 from Jackson to Gulfport on Friday. The north-south road gets a lot of traffic this time of year. Polis tells MPB's Mark Rigsby the initiative on Highway 49 is about increasing safety awareness. Well, this year we're implementing a safety initiative on Highway 49. On Friday, December 23rd, and it is titled Coast to the Capitol. And we're targeting Highway 49 just due to the fact it's the beginning of the holiday period for us, the travel day, that most people are going to be on the road uh, trying to get from point A to point B, trying to get to their uh, destinations. So we're going to put special emphasis on Highway 49 with all available manpower, and, and here again, this is a safety awareness. This is not about going out and trying to see how many citations can be written. Visibility in itself is a deterrent when it comes to traffic safety, and that's our main mission that Friday. How will the Highway Patrol and other law enforcement agencies have a visible presence on 49? I think you're going to see uh, troopers running stationary uh, patrols, stationary radar. Uh, you're going to see moving patrols. And here again, to let the motoring public know that we're out there. Our mission is to provide public safety. I think you're going to see a lot of law enforcement this upcoming weekend just due to the fact it's a highly traveled weekend. And we just want people to know, uh, here again, our mission is for everyone to arrive safely to their destinations. But that requires really good, responsible decisions from the drivers. And that's what we're asking this weekend. I wanted to clarify here. It's not just a targeted traffic enforcement for the holidays just on 49. There will be presence statewide, won't there? That's correct, Mark. We're going to have all available manpower on all state 
federal highway systems and all interstate systems uh, throughout the entire period. Uh, 49, here again, we're targeting 49 just due to the fact a lot of people travel 49 to get to other destinations in the state or to travel out of the state. Uh, We had five fatalities last year during the entire holiday period. We want to avoid that. And, and here again, we're hoping this this visibility that we're going to provide, not just on Highway 49 with coast to the capital, but on all highways and all interstate systems in the state throughout the entire period. What kind of advice can you offer people celebrating the holidays around Christmas, around New Year's, about being responsible at what they're doing? I think one of the biggest problems that we see when when motorists get out on the road to travel, they do not allow themselves sufficient time to to get on the road and try to get to their destinations. When you when you don't allow yourself enough time to travel, speed becomes a factor. And then when you have speed involved in crashes, then we have injuries and unfortunately fatalities. Also, when people arrive to their destinations, we have the alcohol issue that always comes into into play. We're asking people to please have a designated driver in place. That's that's not really a, a hard decision to make whenever you have your family, you're responsible for your family, your friends, and every other person that is out there traveling on the roadways. We stress that. If we're not saying we don't want you to enjoy the holidays, but it is a very depressing part of a law enforcement officer's job to knock on someone's door to do a death notification and to let them know their family member will not be returning home. That's what we're trying to avoid, and we can do that with really good responsible decisions. If you can, give our listeners an idea of what kind of penalties one would face if, let's say, they were speeding or they were caught drinking and driving. On average, in in every justice court system is different with fines, but on average, a a speeding citation can cost a driver on average from two hundred to three hundred and fifty dollars. And in today's uh, society, I think everyone knows that that's a lot of money for someone to have to come up with whenever you have a family. When we're going to go up a level to being arrested for driving under the influence. On average, this can cost you, with attorney fees, up to $10,000. A lot of people don't realize this could cost you your job. If you are driving a vehicle uh, for a company and you are convicted, you're found guilty of a DUI, and you lose your license for 90 days or maybe 120 days, most companies are not going to allow you to to keep that job. They have to keep the company operating. A lot of people do not think about that. Um, But the worst case thing is to be involved in a crash while you're impaired and loss of life occurs. This is something that cannot be fixed. This is something that a person that's involved in a crash that caused that crash, they have to live with. That's, here again, what we're trying to avoid. Let's get back to the enforcement on 49 itself. Will there be checkpoints on 49? Our checkpoints will not be established on Highway 49 just due to the fact you've got so much traffic that will be going northbound and southbound. Now, during the enforcement period on other roadway systems in Mississippi, the checkpoints will be established. And this is not to harass the the motoring public. We use this as a a very important tool, uh, not only to check 
driver's license or, or insurance, but it is to remove impaired drivers from the roadway. And we also do seat belt checks. You'd be surprised how many child restraint seats that we observe that are not correctly installed. And this could cause loss of life to a child. MPB's Mark Rigsby with Captain Johnny Polis of the State Highway Patrol on the upcoming Christmas travel weekend. Up next, news from the front line of fighting HIV-AIDS in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. New research shows that American students struggle to sort out what's legitimate news and what's fake or propaganda. How do they become prepared to make the choices about what to believe, what to forward, what to post to their friends? when they've given no practice in school. I'm Ari Shapiro, teaching students to tell fact from fiction later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. As you consider where the country should go next, NPR will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, policy changes, and all of the day's news. So listen every day. I'm Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Though progress is being made in the fight against HIV-AIDS in the state, Mississippi remains one of the states with the highest rate of infection. In fact, Jackson has the fourth highest infection rate in the nation for the disease, that according to the Human Rights Campaign. At the University of Mississippi Medical Center, Dr. Leandro Mena helps lead the state's fight against HIV-AIDS. Mena also was recently named to the U.S. Health and Human Services Advisory Committee for HIV, Viral Hepatitis, and STD Prevention, part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Mena tells us the group is at the forefront of science and policy around the diseases. More than anything else, uh, you know, it's a great honor uh, um, to um, be selected to be part of this uh, small group of uh, individuals, you know, uh, that come from all over the nation and uh, different degrees of expertise uh, that provide advice to uh, HRSA and to CDC on HIV, sexual transmitted infections, and uh, viral hepatitis. Uh, when it comes to policy, when it comes to the research priorities. What is your specific level of expertise or your your niche of expertise that would bring you to this board? Um, well, I'm an infectious disease specialist, uh, and I believe that the reason why probably I was selected um, I, I, for this is probably a, a result of uh, the many years that I have been working in the South, um, Focusing on uh, the HIV epidemic, especially as it affects, you know, um, gender and sexual minorities of color. Um, uh, and I say in the South uh, because, um, uh, as you know, uh, as our HIV epidemic has changed, the South, uh, while it represents, uh, when it has only 
uh, about 38% of the population of the country. Now it accounts for more than half of new HIV infections. So while in many cities in our country, you know, certainly cities like San Francisco, New York, states like Massachusetts, the cases of new HIV infection um, are decreasing. Uh, they are already, you know, uh, talking about the ending, ending their HIV epidemics by 2020. Uh, in the South, we're still uh, struggling with uh, great challenges, uh, uh, making sure that our population who are most at risk of HIV infection can have access to the scientific advantages that have allowed these other cities to really uh, to that put you know for these cities who think reach you know the goal uh, of the HIV uh, national HIV AIDS strategy. Let's talk about Mississippi because I know that there is particularly a higher incidence of HIV infections among African American men. Is that of a certain age? Yes, uh, you know HIV in the country, uh, not only Mississippi. Uh, has pretty much HIV new cases. The incidence of HIV has pretty much decreased for almost every risk group, um, with the exception of uh, men who are with men, but very especially men who are with men of color and those who are in the of the younger age, those who are 18 to 34 years old. You said that rates of HIV have dropped in some states. What is what is the status in Mississippi? No, no. I say uh, overall, even in Mississippi, the rates of new HIV infections have actually decreased for heterosexuals. They have decreased for black women. They have decreased substantially for injection drug users. But in Mississippi, they continue to increase among men who are with men. Those increases are even more dramatic in young men who are with men, especially those who are black or Latino. Why do you think that is? number of reasons. We know why it's not. We know that behavior, it doesn't make the difference. We know that these men of color are not having more partners. They're not having, you know, they're not using less condoms. They're not using more drugs or more alcohol than their, you know, white counterparts. We know that the difference are probably have more to do with access to health services, with uh, a, not having tested for HIV, you know, uh, recently, uh, by uh, being less likely to have been diagnosed and treated for STDs when they have an STD, and because of the background, you know, high prevalence of HIV among networks of uh, black men who are men or Latino men who are men who if they meet one sexual partner, the chances that individual may be HIV infected are much higher than among individuals of other races. And at the same time, especially among younger people, the proportion of people who are HIV infected who are unaware of their diagnosis so that they know they're infected is actually much higher. Dr. Leandro Mena is the director of UMMC's Center for HIV AIDS Research, Education and Policy and has just been appointed to a four-year term on the Advisory Committee for HIV, Viral Hepatitis and STD Prevention and Treatment at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Dr. Mena, thank you very much for being with us. Well, thank you, Karen, for having me. Up next, a legendary TV producer in our book club. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Join me each Thursday for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Each week we talk with you about the health issues that are facing your children. 
From acne to concussions to diaper rashes and tonsils, from potty training to allergies to braces and everything in between. It's Mississippi's free weekly pediatric clinic on the radio. Listen to any of our episodes on demand through the MPB Public Radio app and online at mpbonline.org. Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, this morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. New research shows that American students struggle to sort out what's legitimate news and what's fake or propaganda. How do they become prepared to make the choices about what to believe, what to forward, what to post to their friends when they've given no practice in school? I'm Ari Shapiro, teaching students to tell fact from fiction later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. All in the Family, The Jeffersons, Good Times, Sanford and Son. These are just some of the TV shows created by Norman Lear. The legendary producer changed the world of sitcoms and introduced social topics to the small screen never before touched by the medium. Lear's memoir, Even This I Get to Experience, is out. He told us why it took so long to write this book. You know, it isn't all that late. I'm I'm only 93, and I'm a blip in this crowded world, as we all are. I think maybe a blot more than a blip. <laughs> a little <laughs> well, bit bigger like than a blip. <laughs> I'll take a blog. I think when uh, when we get to this part of a conversation, I always think about uh, an ancient piece of philosophy which said that a man should have a garment with two pockets, and the first pocket should be a piece of paper on which is written, I am but dust and ashes. And the second pocket, a piece of paper on which is written, for me, the world was created. So... <laughs> So we are blips, but for each of us, the world was created. You've lived all your life just to get to talk to me at this minute. That's exactly it, the thought I had before we began. So this is great. (laughs) And I lived a great many more years than you (laughs) to get to talk to you this minute. I'm going to ask you a tough question. This is a serious question. What do you think is funny? I think the foolishness of the human condition is funny. And I think you find the foolishness of the human condition in every situation, however tragic or, or, you know, difficult. There's humor everywhere. I learned that when I was nine years old, my father went to prison. My mother was selling the furniture in the house. The place was crowded with people who were buying furniture. We were giving up the home. I was going to miss my mother and sister who were going someplace else. I was going to be sent to a an uncle and an uncle and then a grown male puts his hand on my shoulder in that I'm in that situation and says well you're the man in the house now and how foolish and crazy and funny in the most tragic sense was that fool well I don't know whether it was that moment at age of nine or eleven or thirteen reflecting on it when I understood my god how could anybody say that to a kid at that time? And that's as funny as it is serious. You know, with, with a lot of your shows that were comedies, there was that tragic element. I mean, I will never forget All in the Family when Edith is attacked and almost raped. How heartbreaking that was, how frightening that was. There were a lot of elements of that, of that seriousness in many of your shows. Was that a result well, of were, your trying? Because we were reflecting real life 
you know, at least that was the attempt as we saw it. These were situations that were taking place in American homes. And so we dealt with them. You know, I was just watching some scenes from various shows where those serious moments were and was surprised to find the audience laughing at things that were not the least bit funny. Do you think it's because the audience thinks they're at a comedy, so they're going to laugh no matter what the content is? No, I think it's because there was a funny moment in a serious uh, episode. Uh, you know, when 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 Edith uh, was being raped or attempted rape, her reactions under the circumstances relieved an audience to laugh. You know, I I learned early on, and you know, when an audience was caring, when they really were involved in it the opportunity to get a belly laugh was greater. The more an audience cared, when a laugh came, the harder they laughed. The old expression we all know is, you know, I laughed so hard I cried, or I cried so hard I, I, I found myself laughing. Laughter and tears are our close neighbors. When you proposed All in the Family and this character, Archie Bunker, this incredible bigot, when you when you pitched that to the network, what was the response? Well, it took three years to get it on the air. ABC made it with Archie and Edith, with the same characters, Carol and, and Gene Stapleton. And they didn't pick it up, but they had the right to, to ask me to make it again a year later. And they did that. And so I made it twice for ABC with the same leads. Then they lost it. Nobody would make it. I went out and made a film called Cold Turkey. I was editing that film when a new man came in to take over at CBS uh, named Robert Wood. He saw that ancient, by then, ancient pilot and called and said he wanted to, I said I wouldn't do another pilot. <laughs> he said he wanted to put it on the air. It was the same script each time because I thought that the original script showed 360 degrees of the Bunker character and I didn't wish to change it for that reason. But anyway, eventually it got on. Was there the expectation that that show would take off the way it did? Oh, I couldn't have expected that. I, you know, I, I hoped to, to have a success. I, I knew it was funny because we did everything in front of a live audience. Every time I made that show, twice for ABC and once for CBS, I saw live people laughing hard. So there was no doubt in my mind it was funny. And because it was funny, it started to catch on, despite the fact that the networks thought the subject matter was too raw. It's funny. I was going to bring up the live audience. I was lucky enough to be in one of those audiences in my, oh, early, yes. in my early teens. Was that a novelty to have a live audience for a sitcom? Well, it, it, I can't remember the show that had done it. One show did it, and then we made a thing of it because I didn't do anything that wasn't in front of a live audience. Are there any shows that you watch today that you particularly like? There are so many shows that friends, people I respect are saying, are you kidding? You're not watching Empire or uh Orange is the new one. I haven't seen those shows, and I think they're wonderful. And through all the years, I think South Park is wonderful, and my friend Seth MacFarlane is mm -hmm. wonderful. Every other day, somebody is saying to me, somebody I respect is saying to me, are you kidding? You, don't, you haven't seen Transparent? 
<laughs> well, I did see Transparent, and it's glorious. Uh, but am I able to keep up with everything I hear about? I, I just can't. I wish we had more time with you. I could talk to you for 45 more minutes, but I know you're talking about many others. I could other. do the same with you, and I thank you for that. Well, let me say the name of the book is Even This I Get to Experience, and the great Norman Lear is the author. Mr. Lear, thank you so much for spending some time with us. And thank you also. To be continued. Coming up after Mississippi Edition, it's Creature Comforts, MPB Season Pass, and Southern Remedy. And remember, if you want to catch the show outside the broadcast, just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app and listen whenever you like. I'm Karen Brown. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from all of us at Mississippi Edition. Have a great break and join us again next Tuesday morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. As you consider where the country should go next, NPR will be here with the facts to help you make sense of new appointments, policy changes, and all of the day's news. Listen every day.